God bless you. Take your Bibles and open up to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Take a look at verses 6 and 7 once again as we continue on the worthy reign of Christ in our series, Unto Us. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to be here this morning, uh, this evening. And Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray that our hearts and minds would be Uh, stayed on you. I ask, Lord, that you would uh, work in and through me. And Lord, I would ask that um, the things that are said and done will bring honor and glory to you. Lord, I pray that um, those that are underneath the sound of the word this evening, that you would use this to be able to help uh, them grow in their spiritual walk. I pray that anything that would cause a distraction in my heart and my mind, that you would remove that from me. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The Bible talks to us about the reign of Christ. This portion of Scripture is talking about the millennial reign of Christ, the messianic age. And I want us to understand the whole idea of this is that there will be hope that we can have ultimate peace upon this earth because of who Christ is. This morning we looked at and we saw that we'll have ultimate peace with the start of the messianic age. But this evening I want to, you to take a look at the, the, that we will have ultimate peace with the reign of the Messiah. So the second thing, if you'd write that down, we'll have ultimate peace with the reign of the Messiah. And <clears throat> we need to ask ourselves, what kind of reign will Jesus have? How will it be? And that's basically what I want to address this evening. What type of government will Jesus have? How will he rule and reign? Well, I can tell you this much, that it'll be unlike the rule of Ahaz, which is contrasted here. He was a ruler at the time, and as I mentioned this morning, he ruled the land of Judah, which made up the two tribes, was made up of two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, after the nation of Israel had split underneath the reign of uh, uh, Jeroboam, uh, Solomon's son. Ahaz, uh, his rule was made up of darkness, He led the nation into idol worship. He sacrificed his own children uh, unto unto a a God. And he also committed sacrilege against the temple of the Lord. I want you to turn over and see this brief history of Ahaz in 2 Chronicles, if you would please. Chapter 28. Take a look there. 2 Chronicles chapter 28 and verses 1 through 4. This is the type of reign that... Ahaz had. In verse 1 of 2 Chronicles chapter 28, the Bible says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, and made also molten images for Balaam. 
Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burnt his children in the fire after the abomination of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He sacrificed also and burnt incense, incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Now think about how desensitized this nation was. It says nothing about the uprising of this nation when he sacrifices his own children by burning them to death. This wasn't a good ruler. This man was very dark. And this time was very dark. And what happens here is this prophecy that we find ourselves looking at, it brings hope because there's a new kind of ruler. It brings peace. And it brings peace to the nation and it brings peace to the, to the prophet here. For all of those who are still speaking the word of God, who are still following the word of God, there's hope given. Now let's answer the question this evening, what type of reign will Christ have? I believe Ahaz's hand was very heavy. What type of reign will Jesus have? What type of government will Jesus have? First, write this down, letter A. Jesus' reign or Jesus' government is sure. It's sure. In verse 6, it says, the government shall be. It's not something that we're going to hope for. It's not something that, that might happen. But Jesus will rule and reign. It's a divine command. It's guaranteed that Jesus Christ will rule and reign. You see with me, friends, this, this evening, the first advent established Jesus' identity as the Son of God. In the second advent, when Jesus comes back, Jesus will establish his rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. It says here about this sure government, that his government will continue to grow. It says that it will increase it says it will increase in size, it will increase in peace, it will increase in splendor, and it will increase in span. It also says something that's different about Ahaz's government. Ahaz's government wasn't sure. The reason it wasn't sure is because it fell apart after 16 years. He, he stopped reigning after uh, 16 years at the age of 36. But Jesus' government will last forever. The Bible tells us that he will rule and reign for all time and eternity. What I find interesting is the contrast here against human governments. Think about governments around the world. Think about our own government this evening. No government has ever progressed like the progress and surety of Jesus' government. Oh, yes, our government right now, our, our country right now has, has experienced some, in, in some aspects, some great uh, prosperity financially, and, and uh, things have been growing, uh, unemployment's down, and, and jobs are up, and man, good prosperity and things like that, and people are happy about that, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. But guess what? This government is going to end. It's going to end. All other governments come to a place where their rule begins to decrease and diminish. But do you understand that Jesus' government will never diminish? It will never end? I want you to think about how Jesus not only will rule for a thousand years and for all of eternity, but I want you to think about your own life. Again, we've got to take something that that is talking about something prophetically, and we've got to be able to apply it to our own hearts and our lives. 
Is Jesus' reign sure in your own heart? I'm basically asking you the question, who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Is, he, is it sure? I mean, is Jesus the one that's directing? Because the government, if you will, the one who's ruling the government is the one who directs, right? Uh, helps set the law of the land and, and helps direct uh, the way things go and all those type of things. But one day, Jesus will rule and reign. It is sure. And he will rule everyone and every heart. But is he ruling today in your heart? I, I mean, is it sure? In your, or are you diminishing the rule of Jesus in your own life? See, too many times we want to focus in, even on prophetic portions of Scripture, which this is, we want to focus on, on what will be, but what about what is? What would, you say, what would you say about your life now? Who is ruling your heart? Secondly, we find that Jesus' reign or his government is not only sure, but secondly, letter B, it's sweet. It's sweet. And peace, there shall be no end. When Jesus rules from the throne of his father David, the entire world will be at peace. We've never experienced anything close to this. In our lifetime, no man, no woman can bring peace like Jesus can. There is no peace that we have ever experienced. But it's more than just <clears throat> absence of war. Many times we think of peace being absence of war. But in Isaiah's time, the peace that he's talking about is not only absence of war, but it's a condition. That all things follow their decree, their divine decree, undisturbed. I want you to, to, to remember with me, say, what do you mean by that? What, what, what is Isaiah talking about? That all things will, will um, come to their divine decree undisturbed. That it will move to the divine decree. So not only is it an absence of war, but it's more than that. You remember in Scripture where it says that the lion will lay down with the lamb... And the child will play in the viper's den. What's happening here? What, that, that we see in Romans when it talks about how the creation even groans for redemption. When everything is put back the way that God had intended. See, and this can only occur when major changes happen in, in, in uh, the new heaven and the new earth. When that, that culmination those changes are made in nature. So it's not only that it will be sweet in our own hearts and our own lives, but the way that we even live will be sweet. It'll bring peace to earth. And the reign of Jesus in our own hearts is sweet. When we allow Jesus Christ to reign, when we don't diminish his reign, when, when we don't remove his sure reign in our own life, then his reign is sweet. And you know, and I know, when we are right with the Lord and we are walking with the Lord and, and we're allowing him to reign, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. There's, there, is, there is nothing better in this life than knowing that Christ is in complete control and my fellowship with him is exactly right. See, it's the self-will of the heart that disturbs inner peace. 
Oh, in the millennial reign, there is not going to be, uh, if you will, when Jesus rules and reigns, when the messianic age during that time, there won't be any uh, uh, self-will while Satan's bound. And Jesus will rule and he'll reign, but what happens is self-will in the heart of man in our own lives today, it disturbs inner peace. So let me ask you, See, if Jesus, if his reign of his government is not sure in your heart, then Jesus' reign is not sweet in your heart. Because that's when it seems like what Jesus is trying to get you to do is things that, well, I don't understand this. And you start to question God, and I start to question God, and, and we start to, to wonder why. And... But when Jesus' reign is sure in your heart, it is sweet. We also see, let us see here this evening. That Jesus' reign, it's structured. It's structured. Take a look at verse 7. It says there, upon his kingdom to order it. To order it. The administration of Christ's reign and of his government. We're talking about how is his reign to be uh, in the millennial age and in the messianic age. But then we're taking that from uh, whenever that takes place. And we're going to bring that to our own hearts and our own lives. It should be sure. He ought to be reigning on my, my, the throne of my heart. It, it will be sweet. It ought to be structured. And the administration of Christ's government is one of efficiency. It's one of an orderly government. It's not like many governments today that are marked by confusion and inefficiency. I don't know about you, but I get frustrated with red tape. You know, you, you go to... Uh, <clears throat> whatever the case may be, and uh, maybe you go to town hall or whatever, and okay, uh, I'd like to get a dog tag. All right, great. Uh, what kind of dog do you have? You tell them the kind of dog that you have. Okay, how old is the dog? This is how old the dog is. Uh, what color is the dog? This is the color of the dog. How many teeth does the dog have? And this is how many teeth the dog has. Does it have two eyes? Yes. How many legs? Three. It's, his name is Lucky. <laughs> um, and you fill out this form. Okay, now that you filled that out, please take this home and give this to your wife because she needs to fill it out too. And, and have all 15 of your kids fill this form out and turn these in. And then in three months after we uh, let 15 people see this, 16 people will turn it back into you. And that will be a fee of $300, please. You know what I'm talking about. Red tape. Government red tape. I wish things were much more smooth and more efficient. You don't have to go through. And I understand certain things are necessary for laws and things like that. And I'm being a little bit facetious here. But the simple fact of the matter of is that Many governments today are marked by confusion and efficiency. But everything will be well managed in the government of Christ, in the kingdom of Christ. And this is also an encouragement for us today. Because listen, as Christians, we should not listen now. As Christians, we should not live helter-skelter lives. We shouldn't live that way. Many Christians today, they waste their time. They waste their resources. They waste their energy all because they have little order to their life. You say, well, I'm just a free spirit. I just, well, I'll put it to you this way. A disorderly life is one that is ruled by self, not by Jesus. We've got to remember that a life that is not well-ordered is not a life that is not ordered by Jesus. Jesus doesn't do things helter-skelter. He just doesn't fly, and I'm not trying to be sacrilegious by the seat of his pants here. We're just going to come as it may be and all those type of things. 
No, that's not the way Christ reigns. Christ, Christ is always orderly. He does everything in an orderly fashion. We can see that all the way from creation all the way to his birth. Uh, it says when the fullness of time was come, when everything was in order, and then from his birth to his death, it just didn't happen. It was ordered by God. And then from his death to his resurrection, three days later, it just didn't happen, maybe four days or, or maybe two and a half days or maybe a week later. No, and then we see even in the tribulation where the uh, two prophets that die and they're raised exactly three and a half days later and then Jesus comes back and reigns for exactly 1,000 years and then everything in scripture it is ordered in our lives as believers we ought to be an example to the world of an orderly life you wonder why so many times so many Christians do not spend time in the word is because their life is not ordered they're helter skelter I'm not saying that everybody needs to be like me it would be a good thing, though. <laughs> you can laugh. <laughs> but there is something I have watched. There is something about a well-ordered life that God can bless. It says, see what Scripture has to say, upon his kingdom to order it. That's not like, hey, I want to go order a sandwich. No, it's to order it. What did Paul tell Titus and Timothy, these men that were supposed to be part of the church, help lead the church, what? Set those things in order that are lacking. You say, Pastor, I just really don't like order. Wait a second. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Everybody likes order. You say, no, 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 no. I say, yes, you do. What if I just said, we're going to have Sunday morning service? Just want to let you know, we're going to have Sunday morning service. That's, okay? We'll see you next Sunday. And I start the service at 7.30 in the morning. But I don't tell anybody. But see, your first question is, if you were to go to a new church or something like that, or I would say, I'm going to have Sunday morning service, your first question is, what time? Well, I don't know. We're just going to show up. And when everybody gets here, we'll start. You say, no, 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 no. Wait a second. I got things to do. Oh, so you do like order. You, I just don't want to waste my time. I don't want to be sitting around for four hours waiting on somebody to show up. See, and, and many times we don't get down to some practical things in our Christian life that our life should be well-ordered and a well-ordered life God can be able to work through if it's structured. That's why you ought to have a set time to be able to read your Bible every day. You ought to have a set time that you spend in prayer every day. You ought to determine every time that I get paid, we get paid once a month here at Open Bible because um, <clears throat> the deacons feel that we don't work the other th three, we only work one week total out of the whole month, so we only get paid once a month. <sighs> Man, it's rough. You guys are really rough tonight. Um, <clears throat> Man, but we get paid once a month. The first thing that I do, first thing that I do, Write our tithe, 
offering, building fund, and grace giving. First thing, every month. Been doing that for years. I don't wait to see if we can pay all the bills and then, okay, God. Why? I, I, I have ordered life. We need to have an ordered life. His kingdom is structured. It's not helter skelter. Remember this. A life that is not well ordered is a life that is not ordered by Jesus. Or put another way, a disorderly life is one that is ruled by self and not by Christ. Jesus' government, it's sure, it's sweet, it's structured, it's sinless. And and letter D, his reign is sinless. Take a look at verse 7, if you would, please. Verse 7. To establish it with judgment and justice. To establish it with judgment and justice. Unlike many governments today, uh, local and federal, the government of Jesus Christ will be one that is done with the right with right rule and righteousness. Have you ever, if you watch the news every so often, and you can watch, uh, you can watch Fox, you can watch CNN, you can watch MSNBC, you can watch all these different news outlets, and <clears throat> you listen to one news um, outlet, and they're saying one thing. And to be honest with you, I really don't need people to tell me what I just heard. I'm an intelligent human being, average intelligent. I can understand what was just said, okay? But they get to sit there and they explain it to you. Okay, fine. You'll hear one thing. You go to another outlet and you hear another thing. You ever wonder which is true? <laughs> what, what's going on? One saying one thing, another saying another thing. I, I, I wonder which is true. You know, do you realize, and, and whether, whether one is true and one's not true, uh, that's beside the point. I'm not here to, to talk on politics. What I'm, I'm here to do is to uh, get you to understand that with the ruling government of the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous rule of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're never going to have to wonder if what Jesus Christ does is true or right. And see, we don't have to wonder that for our lives. We've got the Word of God to know what is true and what is right. It says here to bring judgment with justice. Judgment is to bring matters to the right, to the rule of the right, to administer justice as a magistrate or a a governor. Justice has to do with to be just or to be righteous. It's translated in the Word of God 128 times righteousness. Compared to justice, which is only translated 15 times. So the idea of is that Jesus' reign will be righteous. And so what is it you say, well, Pastor, what is Isaiah trying to, to show us here? Is that the reign of Christ is one that's going to be pure. There, there will be no corruption. Uh, there will be no immoral decisions. There will be no clever lawyers. There will be no dishonest judges. There'll be no, what what is it, Uh, quid pro quo Joe, right? There'll there'll be none of that stuff. There'll be be none of this payoffs here for this person. There'll be none of payoffs for this person. That's not going to be the way of the rule of Christ. You say, how will the rule of Christ be? The rule of Christ will be marked by holiness. The rule of Christ will be marked by righteousness, See, Jesus' reign, it will be absolutely sinless. Now listen, if Jesus is reigning in your heart, it doesn't mean that you're going to be sinless. 
But this is what it does mean. It means that it will produce holiness. It means that it will produce holiness. We live in a day and an age of free grace. Grace is free, but it's not to be abused. And we live in a day and age where people feel that because Christ has died for, for, for my sins and my sin is forgiven, therefore I can live any way I want to live. The simple fact of the matter is, if Christ is reigning in your heart, Paul plainly teaches us that we're not going to live licentiously. Oh, we're not going to live, if you will, carefree. Oh, well, I've got liberty in Christ. You may want to reread Galatians to understand it. And what happens is so many times, instead of people moving towards holiness, what I'm seeing in society today and in Christian circles today is that we're moving away from holiness and we're moving closer to the world and we look more like the world than we do like Christ. I'm going to just be very honest with you, very upfront. Look, you might as well understand this now. Some of you have young kids. If, if you want your children to get married in Open Bible Baptist Church, uh-oh, it's not a right. Well, I've come here all these years, and I've paid my tithes. You didn't pay them to me, and you didn't pay them to this church. You paid them to God. I thought that was an act of worship to God, number one. Amen. And number two, this is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. Christ rules this church. And just so, uh, well, you know, I want my kids. Now, I just need to be clear. We have a wedding policy handbook and all this kind of stuff. But I've seen, I'm bringing this up because I've seen where now that it's, <clears throat> that it's okay for Christians to drink at weddings and to dance at weddings and have rock music at weddings and things like that. And I'm thinking, wait a second. I thought we were supposed to be different than the world, not like the world. Amen. Thank you, Brother Blumenthal. I appreciate that. Amen. Thank you. Well, Pastor, well, that's what my princess wants. Well, you're going to have to get her married somewhere else. You're not getting her married here. Well, then I'm leaving the church. I'm really sorry to hear that, that that's what it takes for you to Just leave everything that you built here. And then the funny thing is that I'll hear those same people say, I want want my grandkids to have what my kids had. Where'd you get that at? You got it at Open Bible. I, I, I don't get it. You say, well, Pastor, we can't just have a, a glass of wine at the to toast at the wedding? Nope. No. Sorry. Well, I just don't feel that it's wrong to to have a sociable drink. Well, you might want to take a look at Scripture. Amen. And even if I was wrong on that fact, I'm not. You're right. I'm not. I know I'm not. Because there's multiple words in Scripture, 
in the Old Testament and New Testament for wine and alcoholic beverages. Multiple. Just like there's multiple words in Scripture for love, we've got one word for that. There was, there is unfermented wine and there was fermented wine. There was a process where they could stop the fermentation or they can increase the fermentation. And the wine that we have today is nowhere near compared to the wine that they had back then. It was nowhere near the alcohol content. Our alcohol content has increased dramatically over theirs. And they had to drink a whole lot more than what we have to. Anyway, even if I was wrong on the alcohol issue, that it's okay to have a sociable drink. If you take my stand and my position... Say, it's not even a Bible position, Pastor, but, but we, we, well, okay, well, let's, let's play along with you. You never have to worry about your kids becoming an alcoholic. Never. If you take my position. Now, if you take your position, which I believe is wrong and against the Word of God, but again, I would, I would bring you along and I'd still love you and you're still able to be a part of our church and we're thankful that you're here and I want you underneath the sound Word of God and all that type of stuff. And if you think that I'm pastor of the church and, and that I don't think that people in this church may have a social drink from time to time, I wasn't born last night. I was not born last night. I, I know what goes on. I don't go looking for it. But it usually gets back to me. But when Christ rules in our hearts and our lives... There's going to be a move towards holiness, not towards lasciviousness, not towards the things of the world. You say, Pastor, why do you bring this up? Well, because I think it fits in this portion of Scripture, number one. And number two, I think it's good every once in a while just to remember where we need to stay there's certain things, you know, folks, there are certain things, I'm going to be honest with you, there are certain things that we should not care about. But you know what we care more about than about holiness? We care about what happened to all the chairs in the choir. Why did they, do, can you believe they removed all the chairs in the choir loft? That's unbelievable. We get more upset about that kind of stuff than we do the stuff that really matters. See, I've got more Bible for certain things like holiness than you do for tradition. See, folks, when Jesus reigns in our hearts, it'll produce holiness. We should not. You know what it ought to be like? Look. It ought to be like this. When you first got saved, the only thing that you knew was the world. See, it was hard for me. I'm going to be honest. It was hard for me. I got saved when I was five. I can't go around saying, at the age of five, I came out of a life of drugs and alcohol and uh, um, uh, running around with all these type of women and stuff. I mean, I used to go to the bars at five years old. Yeah, I mean, and slam a couple back with the boys. I was five, you know? So I don't have that testimony, which I'm glad for. But some of you got saved later on in life. 
You came out of that. And this ought to be the way that you learn to live as Christ rules in your heart. That every day that you're taking a step closer to holiness. Every day. As Christ rules in your, in your heart. You know what? Your language starts to change. You know, the, the verbiage that you use. Some of the expressions that you used to use. Some of the words you used to use. Uh, and, and some of the things that you used to maybe watch on, on uh, uh, the, the television or the internet or whatever. It's change. And by the way, side note here. I mean, if I'm going to preach, I might as well just preach on everything. Um, <laughs> game, game, game of Thrones, I think that's what it's called. Game of Thrones. Let me tell you something. That should never, ever, ever, ever be a part of a Christian's viewing habits. All it is is pornography. That's all that it is. So every day, we ought to be moving away from the world and closer to the Lord. That's when Jesus rules and reigns in our hearts. But when Christ doesn't rule and reign in our hearts, you know what, we're, you know what we say many times? We'll be like this. We're like, man, what was up with the preacher tonight? Why is it, man, why are these Christians making such a big deal out of this kind of stuff? You want to know why I think a pastor makes such a big deal out of just one inappropriate image, one simple uh, sociable drink, one... Uh, inhale of uh, um, uh, uh, some drugs or whatever the case. You want to know why? Because you don't see what I see. You don't sit in that office and look and listen to the moms and dads that have tears running down their, their eyes and say, what do I do now with my kids? What do I do now, Pastor? And it just started with just one. Just one. That's it. Just one. Just one. No big deal. What are you making such a big deal about? Because you don't see the end result. That's why. If Adam and Eve would have seen, it was just one bite, just one bite of a piece of fruit. What's the big deal? It's just one bite of a piece of fruit. Who cares? If Adam and Eve would have seen the end result, they would have never bitten the fruit. And you have people in that office and marriages that you're dealing with and you're trying to help and encourage people. And I can guarantee you, if all those folks would come up and just say, and, 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 say, and what they say is, is very private, but they, I can guarantee you, every single one that's trying to get right and be right with the Lord, I guarantee you, say, I wish I had never. I wish I had never. I wish I could just go back and relive that moment. If I could just relive that moment, I'd make a totally different decision. But see, when Christ rules in your heart, you're going to be drawn towards holiness instead of drawn towards the world. And then letter E, the reign of Jesus. Take a look, letter E, the reign of Jesus is strong. Verse 7, from henceforth... And forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. 
the rule of Jesus Christ that will never end. Take a look in Luke chapter 1 and verse 33. Luke chapter 1 and verse 33. It's strong. It's going to continue on. The Bible says, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. He will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. The Messianic age will last a thousand years, but that's not the end. Satan will be loosed for a season, a short season, the Bible says, but that's not the end. Things are going to continue on after millennium, and then eventually Satan will be bound and placed in the bottomless pit forever. See, the rule of Jesus, it's strong. It's this holy jealousy, the zeal of the Lord, that will ensure the reign of Christ will last forever. It'll survive for all time and eternity. Guess what? Bill Clinton's no longer the president. You say, what? Yeah, uh, we, we know that. Yeah, his reign's over. George Bush is no longer the president. Yeah, 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 we know that. Barack Obama's no longer the president. We understand that. Donald Trump, his, he's the president, but guess what? It's going to end. All those men, if you will, their reign is over. But there's one individual whose reign will never be over, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you this evening. Christ's reign is worthy. But is he reigning in your life? Is he reigning in your life? See, only you can make that determination. I can't make that determination. Only you can. But I can say this. That if there is not a surety, a sweetness, a holiness, if you will, or a sinlessness, we use that term, and the continued reign of Christ in your life, you may want to take a look at what's going on in your heart. When we let Christ reign in our hearts, it'll make a difference out there. We all know how to act here. But it needs to make a difference out there. Is Christ reigning in your heart? See, and you thought the birth of Christ was just about Christmas, the birth of Christ. Oh, man, verses 6 and 7 are a whole lot more than just about Christmas. It's about not only his first advent, but his second Oh, well, that's just prophecy. That doesn't really apply to me. I think that we've made it pretty applicable today from Sunday morning and Sunday evening. That, yes, it may be, if the Lord tarries, he could tarry for another thousand years, but it may be off somewhere in the distant future. But guess what? If Christ is worthy to reign in the millennium, he's worthy to reign today. Today. 